Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Boys of what culture? Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. We not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, the show form, the owners, NXT 2.0. Oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review last night's Raw. What did you make of it? Mostly fantastic. For three hours, especially, mostly fantastic. It's, uh, it's Raw. There's uh, still duds lurking around the corner, <laughs> but just loads less of them. Um, couldn't decide what I would pitch for our skip for our five-star mm. review today. Because instead of it being like, right, what was the one good thing right now? It's time to rank what was everything else in terms of least worst. There was one or two bad things in the show, and I thought the rest was great. I was, quite frankly, mostly bored during this. <laughs> there was one exceptional segment of professional wrestling TV that I'm really looking forward to putting over. The rest of it, I was just like, oh, I get WrestleMania already. You've told the story that you have told. You're now just talking about the story. Just get on with it. Mm. Some fun stuff in the undercard. Nothing amazing. Nothing that gave me the wrestling feeling of, oh, my God, this is great. <gasps> you know what I watched last night? What? For the first time, and I'd never seen it before. Have you ever seen The Raid? Yes. Oh, my God. It's so good, it's isn't it? It's awesome. Have you seen it? No, what's The Raid? It's oh, like an Indonesian. Something like that, yeah. Uh, martial arts action thriller. Right. Oh, my God. Like, some of these martial arts it's unbelievable. sequences. It was like... Kenny Omega and Malachi Black, <laughs> that <laughs> feeling of, oh my God, he's going to get his head kicked in for like for an hour and a half, but with like gratuitous bloodshed. And, on uh, Netty. It's on Netty. Get it. It's, it's on Netty. Oh. It's on Netty. I was going to yeah. say, I think I've, got, I've got the DVD somewhere because my dad <laughs> watched it and was like, son, sit down, we're watching this. It's, your dad? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. He loves it. Because he's, he ba- he's, basically the story is what? There's like a big criminal gang in a big block of flats, effectively. Yes, and in a high rise flat. But the police have to go in and go either up or down, I can't remember. Yeah. To, just floor to, by floor. to get to the boss. And it's just like. <laughs> One guy just kicking at ass for large parts <laughs> like of it, basically. Contribution that DT match where there's like shagging in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. So that gave me, because I'm a nerd whose brain is wired like this. Oh, that was a bit like Omega and Malachi Black. That ga- that Omega and Black gave me the, oh, the wrestling feeling. Mm. And I love this. Literally, one thing on Raw did that to me. <laughs> but I'm really interested in Hamlet talking about. There are people who probably like. 
can really delve into why they like toast. <laughs> uh, why they love it so much. I'm I think glad this has come up on a podcast. You know, I've been waiting for the toast cast. I, I can't wait for this. One night raid. Yes. <laughs> I had the feeling we used to get, less so now, because I really like him as part of Triple J. You remember when they'd open Dynamite and they'd just sneak in the little graphic of like, oh, here's a match you didn't, we didn't tell you about. Jay Lethal's in action against yeah. someone. You're like, oh, God. When they were going through the show and they're like, oh, coming up on tonight's show, you got Chelsea Green and, and uh, Bianca Belair. You got the street fight between Kevin Owens and Soda Sikoa. And I'm like, yeah, and, and, oh, you got the tag match, you got this as well, and, and, and then I'm like, they haven't mentioned it, they haven't mentioned Maximum Male Models, so I've been a bit of a grump, but my God, do they, they turn it around, and yeah, I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed this show as well, with all the big <laughs> WrestleMania developments, yeah, you got Kevin Owens and the Bloodline stuff, get that out of the way, and when are we going to get to the thirsty stuff? And? Um, so the show opened, Edge comes out. Come on, give it to me! Uh, he gets all the... <laughs> I need it, give it to me! He says, oh, I never get sold. That's why he does this. But we all know why, we, why we're here. Finn Balor, get your ass out here. And here he comes. Um, but, but he's not alone. He obviously, he's obviously in a group. He's, um, he's, um, he's in the f***ing judgment day. And it's just on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're out on this stage and they've got the... the What's it called? Dry ice or yeah. whatever. Um, and uh, he's like, for once I agree with the clowns in this arena. Let's hear what you got to say. Uh, One clown wasn't the arena. In fact, he left the arena on Saturday. Yeah. Haven't seen since. He says, well, I didn't come to say anything. Uh, I came here to end it, but you're going to hide behind Lurch, Pugsley and Wednesday. Or you're going to set them on me or something. Good. Is that, is that good or not at the moment? Because like Wednesday is a big thing on Netflix. That's isn't the it? thing, so isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Are they getting away with Adam's family again? I think so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> got away with that more than the Simon, Simon Garfunkel references later. I don't know what's better. I genuinely can't decide whether it's better for them to be like, oh, Simon and Garfunkel. Everyone's heard of them, or like this was in the charts yesterday, so it's the new like mm. thing or whatever. I don't know what's worse them trying to do. Regardless, he says um, a few weeks ago you challenged me to a match at, at WrestleMania. Um, but since you won't come down here, you know, let's go. Let's have a match. And Finn's like, <laughs> I'm heading to WrestleMania. Edge is like, shut up. Um, you know, he talks about his his history of, of WrestleManias recently. Uh, he's run out of time in his career. Um, Finn pulled the Judgment Day out from under him. But he admitted they, he made it better. It's an understatement. Um because he leaned into what, what making them what they are, bitter malcontents. Uh, he said... And stuff like that is why Finn Balor made it better. Yeah. yeah. He said, uh, you made me say something I never say, I quit. And then you still bashed Beth Skull in. And all the boys were like, yeah, we did that. <laughs> um, you tried to make my life a living hell, you've accomplished it. There's only one way this can end. At WrestleMania, Edge versus Finn Balor inside hell in a cell. Uh, Balor's not smiling. He says, gets all serious. Says, I've been to hell before, and it spit me out because I'm a fish. No, he spit me out because he couldn't handle my demons. I'll see you at WrestleMania. I'll see you at WrestleMania. But until then, and he goes to set Rhea and Dom and uh, Damian Priest on them, uh, and they go and beat up Edge. And I was like, is he literally got no mates backstage? But thankfully, here comes Luis Gargano and Candice because they've got the match in a second. Can you imagine hanging out with Edge? Well, These days, Jesus Christ, a bit intense. What time's Christian getting here? <laughs> it's a real damning indictment on Gargano and his lot, right? Because they're his mates out to make the save, but he's not theirs. Match after the break, Edge is gone. 
He's like, I'm not sticking around for these. I'm actually helping that one now, sort of. Like, I really like this. Really, really like this. Some of it was um, exposition heavy. Mm-hmm. One of them, WWE, let's recap the feud. But I think there's been a bit of that lately where it's Triple H flexing a bit. Oh, I've booked some long-term stories, and here we are. Like, I think that's there's a bit of a celebratory air about being able to recap stuff that's actually made logical sense mm-hmm. from end-to-end-to-end. To end to end. What I did like, as a couple of added details, was Finn Balor juggling, selling fear, but potentially promising a purple demon for WrestleMania as yeah. a heel. That's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Demon's dead now. He's a fish. You can do a heel demon all you like. He was a fish. They killed it, right? But Edge talking about um, being honest about his WrestleMania history since 2020 was was quite effective, yeah. I thought. He got stacked up like a piece of garbage against Roman Reigns. Yeah, it was a great match. A brilliant match, lost. but like that was his big moment and he blew it, basically. Um talking about the screens and these things that are recent enough, but to edge or everything, because yeah. he comes back at that rumble and basically has a rug pulled for three years. So I quite like that as a logical reason why it's a, like it's about time, Finn, in this feud, I'm actually allowed to celebrate and I'm going to get it there and I'm going to get my vindication. I believed it. I believe that this is Edge's vindication, all the cheesiness aside, and Balor and bouncing off the judgment day, reacting to Edge's nonsense. Like, I was joking, but... There's the illustration of how the, this judgment day has worked and edges didn't mm. like laid bare. But I thought you had, I, I thought you just had like all the right components here to make this hell in a cell feel justified mm. rather than have we got out left that we want to do for this WrestleMania? Like slapping a stip on it. It didn't feel like that. I, I kind of believed it. Hell couldn't. <laughs> hell couldn't handle my demons. Getting, getting in there. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that was. Like, the most cringeworthy line I think I've heard on Raw. And there was something else more cringeworthy later on. Like, I was like, ugh, that sounded, like, terrible. Like, absolutely terrible. Like, wordplay, ugh. The idea that, Ed, like, Bala's trying to get serious. It's one of those things where it looped so far around that it just became Edge's Judgment Day patter. <laughs> uh, so I'm seeing double here. Four things that make my arsehole itch. So I did not like the segment, to be honest. Bala before that, uh, to, is a, you know, in fairness to that, yeah, because the contrast between uh, Bala, you know, like every year now, there's these wrestlers that are forced to go out there and just bend over for the WrestleMania side. Oh, yeah. please, can I go to WrestleMania? Finn Bala doing, well, I guess I'm going to WrestleMania, lads. Like, I thought he took the piss out of that quite effectively. Yeah. So, yeah, to see it convert, I'll, I'll accept that. But, yeah, Purple Demon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah or Purple pur- Or Purple Cell, maybe. Purple everything. Yeah. Double Alter Bridge. Uh, so then it was Gargano and Loomis versus Priest and Dominic Mysterio. Um, Loomis is out wrestling Priest. He brings in Gargano. Priest cuts him off with the snake eyes. Dominic came in and used the three amigos and went for a 619. Missed it. So Gargano hit him with a slingshot spear. Loomis comes in and cleans house. Uh, Spinebuster, leg drop on, on Pierce. Uh, that gets a two count. And they keep being like, look at him. He's a bit weird because he pops up and does this stuff. And I'm like, um, Dominic rolled Lumix up. He put his feet on the ropes, but Candice LeRae pushed them off. So obviously that brings in Mammy. They fight on the floor. Rhea drops Candice headfirst onto the barricade. And there's a little moment between Loomis and Rhea Ripley. But in comes Priest to take his head off with a clothesline. He rolls uh, Dexter Loomis back inside. Flatliner. Dom hits a frog splash. One, two. Gargano dies in the last second to break it up. It's a super kick on Priest. Suicide dive. Loomis puts him in a head and arm choke, and it looks like he's got the match won, but Priest blind tags himself in and hits Loomis with a big kick and south of heaven for the one, two, three. Say this right. This wasn't just effective for me as a Judgment Day mark because the building were loud for it, and I think it's a compliment to the, the Judgment Day act and the fact they're all in these WrestleMania programs and they're 
clearly deserve the spot. Like there's this meritocracy booking that the Judgment Day have got such a big WrestleMania coming up. Uh, and that was a kind of stark realisation of Gargano's run because, yes, he got the win last week, presumably to create the reason for this tag, but they were the designated jobbers. Yeah, it was Loomis losing, but like they're the designated loser mm. crew. Candice LeRae got like dropped on the barricade with relative ease by Rhea Ripley. This was a match for the benefit of the Judgment Day. Dominic Mysterio, it was more than just the three amigos into the 619. He did the... Um, like the somersault sent on thing over the top rope and all oh, of this yeah. is off the back and he did there. There was something else he did. He tied three together, basically. Three Eddie Guerrero spots, one by one by one, off the back of him saying to Ray at the weekend, like, I wish Eddie was my dad, oh. which has been the subtext with the growing the hair and cheating and stealing and all that kind of thing anyway. So I thought that was quite nicely done because this is probably the time, being into the promo later on, this is probably the time to, like, let's see what Dominic Mysterio's got. Like, it isn't just going to be this comedy, oh my God, we're finally getting the father and the son match. At some point in the match, Ray, as the ultra-sympathetic babyface, has got to sell for something proper from Dominic, and I just thought he showed just enough while still being a coward that was going to get beat without Damien Priest there. So I thought they measured Dominic's contributions to this spot on as well. This was the, given the fact that he's primarily worked impact wrestling, and then when he became a real character in NXT, it was empty arena, and then... Capital Wrestling Center, and then he's appeared and debuted on Raw to minimal, minimal fanfare. This was the loudest match, mm. given the amount of fans and how, you know, genuinely into it they were for some of it. This is the loudest match in recorded history that Dexter Loomis has ever worked, and it was like two and three quarter stars <laughs> and, and missed its peak. It wasn't for him. Aye. And he got he did the jizz off as well. <laughs> Uh, Kathy Kelly's it's waiting backstage earlier in the day uh, to interview Miz. Before that can happen, though, in comes Chad Gable. He's worried. Where's o- Otis? Um, and uh, Miz is like, well, make some flyers. And Chad's like, that's a great idea. <laughs> and heads off. Uh, and Kathy Kelly's asking Miz if he's considered having a co-host for WrestleMania, which is an interesting tease. Um, but never mind all that bollocks. Uh, Trish Drive's getting her ass kicked by Damage Kataral. I mean... Do we just cover this now? The uh, damage because it's it never makes it to the ring, does it? Really, damage yeah, guitar, exactly. Trish, and then Trish. Later says, on, there's a bit with Kathy Gellin doing something, and and Becky and Lee are going like, "Wait, Kathy, we're going to the trainers' room." And then later on, oh, I'll just get the thing now, actually, if I can. Uh, no, that's the bit where they push her out of the way and say, um, "Here we go." Um, she's interviewing the tag champs and uh, Trish, um, and. Becky Lynch just basically said Damage Control is going to get their head kicked in. There's your update. Lita says, if you're trying to divide and conquer us, you've got another thing coming. And Strat says, I've been hit a lot harder than, than you've hit me. Uh, all you managed to do is piss me off. Weak in terms of representation, I would say. Like, I don't, this angle with a different set of wrestlers, when you're just desperately trying to create some sort of narrative tension, not that bad. But it's Trish and Lita out there, man. And it's Bailey wrestling what should be a dream match. And Be- this is Becky Lynch's WrestleMania thing. This is such pedestrian mid-card stuff, and it's not even really disguising itself as bigger. Now, you know, like because Becky Lynch is in it, and you've got these stars, nobody would call for this as one of the main events of the night, but you could certainly present it as one of the big matches and just try and fake it till you make it. Yeah. They gave up faking it here for me. This was acknowledged as what it was. Unforgivably bland, formulaic, professional wrestling storytelling with no spark, verve, buzz, heat, any of these cool things that make wrestling cool, this has got none of them, and Triple H is a failure as a booger. Certainly with the women's division. Mm. 
More on that later. Yeah, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, then we got the face-to-face between Brock Lesnar and Omos. Um, they shot this brilliantly in terms of having MVP just look tiny <laughs> next to Omos as they made their entrance. Uh, MVP gets on the mic and says, you're going to regret what you did to me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Brock, you're a talented wrestler. You're a terrible tactician, though. Um, you made a mistake in agreeing to fight the seven foot three, four hundred odd pound Omos. Uh, before he can bang on anymore, uh, Lesnar's music hits. Brock makes his way to the ring. Uh, we get a holy sh chant, and Omos does the thing where he just he just holds his fist right next to Brock Lesnar's face. Lesnar says, "That's a big hand, man." <laughs> and I, I did the, like the weird sort of flexing here of like we're going to do a handshake, Sid. We're just going to do a normal handshake. But because Omos has got such a big hand, not only did he put his hand out, he like splayed his fingers to make his hand look even bigger yeah. when, when Lesnar put his what hand a in worker. there. When it comes to Giants, <laughs> WWE, it's the Andre the Giant thing. Remember the handprint t-shirt? Yeah. Do we love hand stuff? Remember like the big show? It's yeah. A, it's a typewriter. It's six frying pans taped together. Like <laughs> I love hands of Giants. That yes. is WWE mind is what illustrates the size of a man. This is the next day from, from looking that, at your hands. Yeah. It's <laughs> a picture of someone else's hands. It's a picture of Andre with the beer. Oh, yeah. And it looks like one of those like um, 150 yeah. mil yeah. cans of pop you can get. Or that came with all the rage back in the day. Oh. And it looked like one of those, but it's actually a normal size can. The guy in the same way with that, by the way. He's like, oh, I finished it. Brilliant. And that would just get more. Yeah. I, think, you know, I think they were made. So false like, economy from an idiotic kid. So little kids could have like pop in their lunchboxes. Uh, well, it's that small. They're probably too little to be drinking that much sugar with the dinner. But we're not. So send us uh, cans of sugary drinks, yeah, well, I'll take 150 mil Mountain Dew. Pitch. I will yeah, take yep. a lot of pitch blacks. Get rid of that, was it? They have five-hour energy. Oh, I don't think that, yeah. Get rid of that Mountain Dew pitch black. Five cans of Mountain Dew pitch black. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, they do the handshake. But, of course, it's the whole... Can I have a ball in the bush a bit? Um, let go. No. Um, so Lesnar stamps on his foot, goes through a suplex, but he can't do it. Almost fights out. And I wish this this was one of our filmed podcasts. Clotheslines Lesnar over the top <laughs> rope, which they I think they tried to correct this later, didn't they? And then Eddie was like, well, picture of him clotheslining, and then just Lesnar being on the floor, like scene missing, Lesnar on the floor. <laughs> It didn't work. It, it was the only spot they needed to do. And if anything, it made me more excited about their WrestleMania match. This is it, right? Uh, like, it feels like we're taking a victory lap because like wrestling Twitter and a lot of people that listen to this podcast might be included in that, I don't know, turned on this match kind of before it existed. The idea of Brock Lesnar versus Omos. Like, he's going to answer the challenge next week. Uh, that. Whereas we were kind of in favour all along and yeah. I was just watching this going like, dub, dub, E, dub, dub, E. So were the fans in the building, by the way. Like, yeah. all I want to look at is how, like, Brock's nose only reaches almost his nipples. And what did he fail to do here? Pick him up. And what's he going to do at WrestleMania? Pick him up. I'm a simple man sometimes. And, like, Brock, to be fair, right, it's even funnier that, like, in hindsight, that he would sell a bit of fear on camera to Omos but wouldn't sell Bray Wyatt behind the scenes. Aye. Like, that's amazing. Like, just to get, as a sort of get into Brock Lesnar's head, or indeed a critical analysis of the Bray Wyatt persona. But uh, this was as effective a sales pitch, in spite of, the like, the clumsiness, because Omos is going to have to, like, throw him about or something. Mm. So Brock needs to be ready to go for a bit more clumsiness on the night before he gets to hit him with a frigging German in an F5. How could you not want to watch this? I, I don't know how you could not want to watch it. I'm... I'm going to be massively on the <laughs> yeah. edge of my seat watching this. It's Hogan Andre stuff. We were just reviewing Rampage, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. The magic of the Rio Nyla thing, even though it felt a bit bleak because of the atmosphere, mm -hmm. 
is she's trying to do something at first. She's telling you she can't do it. She relies upon the crowd support to then get the energy mm-hmm. and the fire to do it. And then she bloody does it. And because Nyla's much bigger than her, it looks amazing. Oh, the Northern Lights suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Every time. Fucking wrestling baby. And I want to see Lesnar. I can't bloody do it. No, I can't. And look at this. <laughs> he's like eight foot bloody five. And he's going to get suplexed. German. German, man. You know, the rocks uh, flip sell off the stunner. Aye. Like, Almost can't fall that way off his neck because the ring's not big enough yeah, to like, capture his legs. He just go over the top rope. And there's a bit of me as well. I never want people to get hurt, obviously. The bit of me that wants almost to go a bit Braun Strowman and accidentally clip Brock and Brock to go, oh, we're, we're fighting now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, it's so good that. Can't. I also rewatched the, uh, I think it was just shared on Twitter the other day, the Survivor Series Jericho Shane bit with the Jericho Pytune podcast discussion about it where he's like, I got in the ring, he potatoed me three times. I got outside, I flipped out, got back in, he potatoed me again, so I drop-kicked him. <laughs> Said, calm down. I'm so excited for this match. I can't wait. Like, I'll be made a fool of if this is absolutely rubbish, but I don't think there's a version of this I, I wouldn't enjoy. No. Yeah. I don't care. I just want these big lads to chuck each other about a bit. Um, then it was time for Cody Rhodes versus L.A. Knight. Yeah! Get him on that card one way or another. It'd be bad for Damien Priest as well when we were talking about all the Judgment Day being involved in Mania. I'd like to think he's busy as a result of that. Like he's going to be great. Well, yeah, stealing the show maybe at ringside with like Ray and Dom. Maybe I don't know. Um, nice brawl on the floor between these two. Uh, Cody goes up top, but Knight catches him up there and superplexes him. I was a bit terrified as they went for that one to be honest because it didn't look like they were completely set. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but fine, Cody. They go to a break. Cody's back and tr- back in control when we come back. Delayed vertical superplex. Well, he's going for that, but Knight escapes and hits him with a DDT. Um, but Cody makes his comeback. Gold dust punch. Disaster kick. Um, he gets into it with LA Knight, who goes for the uh, blunt force trauma. But Cody hits a top rope springboard Cody cutter uh, and then the crossroads for the one, two, three. Something I've always wondered about WWE in the last sort of 20 years <laughs> is how kids could possibly stick with it because kids' television actually like really rewards you for following the rules of storytelling at the most basic level, and WWE doesn't. Mm-hmm. I-, I think Cody Rhodes could be like a, a ge- to use the word that's popular at the moment, a generational star in that sense, because I feel like kids getting into wrestling will remember. Cody is their first hero. This was a good, not great professional wrestling match. But God damn it, didn't Cody look like a great professional wrestler winning it? Yeah. This reminded me of my favourites when I was young. Yeah. Getting the job done really efficiently. Here's your best bits. Here's your action. Like, LA Knight's no slouch, but they've got it done. You can rely on them. Fans back winners. Cody Rhodes is clearly a winner. And I mean, like, we'll get to the promo afterwards. Mm-hmm. But like, as far as matches that exist as nothing more than backdrops to big money promos... This was sort of perfect television fare. Yeah, they did absolutely everything they need to do on the simplest terms imaginable, and it was to the credit of the match. Like, the basics done right to a point where even I, with a ridiculous standard, would go, you know what, good bit of business that needed to be done. Glad he did it in that way. They elicited a kind of tension that I don't necessarily think was worked at times, but hey, I still felt something watching mm. it. Cody does things to me, man. I saw a clip on Twitter this morning, and it, I realized immediately, all someone's done there is it's either from from just before this match or maybe the, the dark match or maybe just another Raw, to be honest. Um, all it was was him um, climbing up to the top rope, posing for a photo, and then jumping down. 
but they've reversed it. So it looks like he goes from a standing position in the ring to on the top rope with barely any, like, vertical or whatever <laughs> okay. it's called. And because it's Cody, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess he can just, I guess he can just do that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he's just superhuman because they're, they're, they're presenting him so well here. Let's talk about this promo. So Cody gets a mic. Uh, and he says, I keep hearing all these warnings from Heyman and people saying I should stay out of the bloodline business. Um, so I don't work for you. I don't work for them. I don't work for Heyman. Um, if I want to stand side by side by Sami Zayn, I can do that. If I want to fight alongside Kevin Owens, I can do that too. Uh, I hear Mr. Heyman telling things, telling me to not make it personal. What a joke. It's been personal since I first appeared on this show at 21 years old in front of these same cameramen. Um, personal is when he's fighting back the tears <laughs> on a weekly basis and he puts this suit or puts on a suit of armor which is his suit because he thinks he's somebody but he, he does not because he thinks he's somebody but he wants to be somebody um i like it when he takes that suit off these days yeah. oh my god body. Uh, he says body. <laughs> heyman talks about acknowledging roman reigns well i do but roman reigns you need to acknowledge me um i'm not perfect but my time since I've returned has been perfect. I'm undefeated. Uh, I grew up thinking I was a prince in this industry, but I've got no crown, no chip on my shoulder, no master sword, no title. On April 2nd, when the sun goes down on Hollywood, it's going to be going down on Roman Reigns' generational run. Um, yeah, April 2nd is for all that's followed me to this end. Uh, April 2nd, I've waited my whole life. I'll wait no more. I'll pin Reigns, and I'll become the first Rhodes ever to say he's undisputed WWE Universal Champion. There is but one AEW promo I would say is better than this, and that's Cody Rhodes in WWE. I kind of believe that this was the company that in AEW that he set up and had the free reign to cut promos of this quality as often as he wanted. Maybe not as often as, as he wanted, but like a lot. He was always going to be a featured player. And yet we had the, the Chris Jericho one that Sidge has like lovingly written about in his book and has referenced and is just a magic piece of business that probably goes beyond this one, to be honest. But otherwise, I can't think of a promo beyond that in AEW that Cody cut that was as, as good as this and as effective as this. And he, the fact he has the power to do it is what amazes me because we know the story at this point. We know all the beats. He's kind of Cody's put them in place from the roar after he returned after WrestleMania. So it would be really easy. And this was sort of a problem in AEW to kind of feel like he's going over old ground and he's repeating it and he's starting to feel like a cliche. And yet, it's dark art stuff for me because mm. he's tweaking it just enough that he seems to know exactly where he is in the build and where he fits into the, the bloodline saga and where he fits into people's hopes and the expectations that they put him on him. It's really exciting that he was like telling people he was going to win and then dropping in there that he's undefeated. So now the stakes for him beyond it, like losing is not just winning the title, like not winning mm. the title, it's losing something else. So he's almost putting something up against Roman beyond this dream, the dream of his father and all that kind of thing, which was a detail they haven't touched on yet. It's easy to assume because he's not been around that long, but all the same, why not mention it? And I just thought his delivery and his timing and his pacing, I love the constantly hitting the date thing like that old school thing that his, yeah. his dad would have taught him, always mention the date as if he needed to sell tickets to WrestleMania, but he did it anyway. You know, it was framed really nicely with the WrestleMania sign in the background every time he flexed with a point he was doing it with his body he was doing the Finn oh. Balahan thing and the abs just appeared again oh my god perfect perfect professional wrestling promo stuff this this is absolutely unbelievable and I've got this thing with Cody Rhodes where he's kind of like the main crux wrestling wise of my journey as a content producer in wrestling so I start in the office the old office what culture in June 2016 right and that I'll go back to that momentarily, right? 
So I get this dream job that I've wanted since I was five years old when I used to go to John Menzies <laughs> in the Metro Center when my dad was getting a car magazine and I wanted a wrestling magazine. It was WWF magazine, PWI they had in, and had these pictures of Sting, and I thought, probably should watch WCW, to be fair. I might be a bit <laughs> and I just always, I never wanted to be a wrestler. I always wanted to be a writer, and then for a long time, I always wanted to write about wrestling. Me and Hamlet have got this thing where uh, we thought that the Offices of Power Slam magazine mm. would be this hallowed ground that we could <laughs> one day walk and write on. Um, and that's all I wanted to be. So I finally get there in June 2016 after, you know, doing it for free, going from undesirable to undeniable <laughs> and yes. getting paid to do it. And then, uh, it's a shame that wrestling sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I can get out a New Japan article every now and then, but we, I knew what I was in for, mainstream wrestling coverage. Uh, I'm not one of these idiots who would get a job like this and just think that you can write about whatever you like because you're entitled to it. And you know that there's an actual remit that you are doing yeah. here. And the trick is to get some pretty intriguing titles, right, around something that people are interested in and then get the work to back up the sort mm. of the hyperbole. I know what the bloody game is. So, ah, it's such a shame it's 2016. Such a goddamn shame because <laughs> this is the most uninteresting wrestling has been. Yeah. I'm at least at least three years into thinking Fed screwed forever with Vince in charge, and that's it. I can make jokes. I can tell people why it's so bad or why I think it's so bad. It'd be nice to just really love it. And then New Japan, it's just incredible. And then BTE gets me deep into its run, deep into its run, primarily through the brilliant comedy of... Cody Rhodes, who's <laughs> unbelievable on this show. And I'm thinking, Cody, because when he first left, I'm thinking, right, he'll go to TNA and he'll not do much. It's Cody Rhodes. Like, I really liked him in Battleground 2013 in particular. He was fantastic. Yet another talent squandered so badly by WWE that you'll never even think they had anything about them ever because yeah. that's how brutally terrible the promotional machine was. And then all in happens. Things get exciting. Like pipe dream stuff is happening in wrestling big shows, then AEW forms. Cody's the face of that just absolutely deranged eye rhetoric of we're going to change things. And they did. This is my, my pipe dream. Billionaire funded all the wrestling I like to a level that I can't even foresee being as great as it is because the booking at its best was so majestic, so intricate. And then Cody does the impossible again and makes WWE good through his absolutely insane <laughs> level of brilliance. And this is Cody Rhodes. So he's always been that one constant, making wrestling just better and more interesting. This is one of the best promos he's ever cut. And all the way back in June 2016, okay, I'm sat on the Keyside office where it used to be. Mm -hmm. And this was deep in the early phase of WCPW. And I'm just sat at my desk. And who should walk into the door directly to my 3 o'clock but this bronzed, <laughs> mega god of a man who just looks, oh my god, there's a star there, before I can even clock who it was, and it was Cody Rhodes, just I think doing some kind of filming, some backstage, just like very, very early, waking up, working hard, just doing something or whatever, I wasn't even in the, the, the meetings or the process of WCPW, and he was wearing a goddamn suit, and a my honest to God, first, I had two conflicting thoughts at the same time. The first one was, 
holy shit, he looks like a star. Mm-hmm. He looks like a square-jawed, handsome, just a star who's been plucked from the screen into real life, and it's almost uncanny valley. Human beings are not meant to look like that. And I also thought he's dressing like one because he wasn't really a star in WWE. <laughs> and if I'm being brutally honest, he's trying too hard, and I don't think this whole independent thing's going to work out for him because... It was all kick pads, five stars. That was the mm. at the time. And he always wanted from day one. The books have written about this in their book. I saw it in the goddamn flesh. He's always wearing a suit. Why is he wearing a suit? And he gave me that reason. A lot of people thought when he first turned back up in WWE, drop that suit. You look better. You think you're better than the people who are buying the tickets. And that's not a good look. For a baby face, mm. I've never minded it personally, but I could see the criticism. And he's worn that suit as this constant reminder, as this admirable, hard-working baby face that I just want to work harder to do what I've needed to do. And the suit line just affected me in some way because I've seen it. Mm. And this was seven years ago now. And look where he is now. And honestly, it's class. That's a point as well, because wrestlers that understand their characters and like the aesthetics are a huge part of that find ways to spin what that means the suit was at one point a show of arrogance cody rhodes the heel hanging around independent shows suited and booted was going to make him look like a fantastic arsehole. yeah yeah like when he goes like the to new, interloper yeah when he goes to new japan as a heel and he's in bullet club and like obviously bullet club is this stable full of heels but he's in his suit rather than his bullet club t-shirt and there's such a contrast to him and kenny is this guy you kind of want to love really and the differing mm. mindsets of the two people that want control of the stable and things like that the the smart wrestlers know how to keep things that matter to them, but just change what they mean. And yeah, the way that that's like, I remember that AEW thing. I, I was a little bit worked by thinking like, ah, oh, mate, like don't spend me this working class hero nonsense when you're coming out here in a suit and you, you know, you're from, you're from the industry and you're billionaire back and all that sort of stuff. I was worked by that. But him saying this now makes me want to re- go back and revisit yeah. those promos with him as a baby face and be like, God bless you. Like ruffle his hair or something yeah. like he needs it, you know? But he did legitimately, as a shoot, wear a suit virtually every single day of his life, just walking around Gateshead, tiny <laughs> as a constant reminder of, I'm dressing to play this part because, God damn it, I'm bound and determined to play this part, and I know I can do it. He's on the precipice of it now. Just imagine walking down like Gateshead High Street and thinking, so, you know what, go great with a suit and neck tattoo and getting it done, yeah, yeah, getting yeah. It done here instead of over there. <laughs> 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Um, then we have a um, video recapping uh, what happened uh, last week with uh, Rollins and Logan Paul. Bye-bye, bitch. Um, and uh, I'd like the weird bit of... It's the first time I've ever really noticed this, where he's like, <laughs> sing along, and no one was really singing along <laughs> to his song. Um, he says, you know, oh, Logan Paul, you, you won the lottery last week. You landed the shot of a lifetime. You knocked me down, but if you've learned anything from me in recent years, it's that you can't keep me down. Uh, the next time, Logan, and then in comes the Miz to interrupt, and he says, uh, I think you're a bit jealous that he was kind of able to knock you out. You've lost control of the narrative. Um the only thing I know is this. I'm the host of Mania. I get privileged information. And next week, Logan Paul's going to host uh, his impulsive podcast in the middle of the ring. And yeah, I'll probably be on there as well, actually. Um, in comes Baron Corbin. He says, oh, by the way, I'm available next week. Poor bastard. He's like, ah, Logan Paul's all booked up, mate. Sorry. He's like, well, I, I heard are you talking about like a WrestleMania co-host. And Mrs. is like, I've got a lot of pull, but I ain't got that much, mate. Um, and uh, Corbin says, look, Hey, Seth, I saw what happened last week. I saw he knocked you out pretty quick. You know, golden gloves and all that. I can give you some boxing lessons if you want from me. And Seth's like, I appreciate the offer, but if I'm honest, I'd rather take boxing lessons from my baby daughter. Uh, and Corbin's like, you fucking what, mate? I'll knock you out faster than Logan Paul did. I'll take your spot at WrestleMania. Let's have a... Let's have a bit of knuckle fight then. <laughs> uh, and Seth says, yep, yeah, I'm down to Hoyd. Um, and Miz says, look, you beat Rollins. Maybe I'll put in a good word with Logan Paul for you. So this and the match is like the diet version of the Cody LA Knight thing in that you just want to see. You haven't got Logan Paul this week, but you've got the babyface doing the babyface things to reassure you that he's ready for his big WrestleMania match. But don't know if this falls into guilty pleasure or not. I really like the trickle-down heel chicanery levels to the people that Seth is currently involved with. Logan Paul is the star, and he's the big fight at WrestleMania, and he's the... Is he the equal? Maybe. We'll have to see, but he's got a powerful punch. He's up there. You've got the Miz who still really desperately wants Logan Paul's approval. And he's like, I'll probably be on impulsive TV as well, actually, even though they did that great bit the other week. I told you to stop calling me. Yeah. Like, Logan Paul, these are all, it's just arsehole, pull back, another arsehole, <laughs> pull back, another arsehole. And then Miz, conscious that, like, he's being, like, Arseholes are like onions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Little Victorian doll of complete mid-card dickhead heels, right? So the Miz is like, oh, Logan Paul's giving me a bit of grief and I'm trying to impress him. And then below him, there's Baron Corbin, who Miz completely is like, can I impress you, the I want to keep going. Like, how low can we go yeah. until we get to Mustafa Ali? Like, the, <laughs> that's what I want to know. But, like, and that's a piss take because in babyfaces, it's the worst thing you can do. The fact that Triple H does this to babyfaces is a crime. I think there's a place for it with these heels. And because there are levels to this game, especially around WrestleMania season, and you just know that the best Corbin can hope for is the Miz's scraps. And the best Miz can hope for is Logan Paul's scraps. I sort of like it. Mm. And Seth, when, you know what I mean? Like, Seth, you know that he's above... It's nonsense, and I think this is the place for that kind of nonsense. Through the standards of impromptu bollocks, okay, <laughs> this was a this is quite cute yeah. with Baron Corbin and the boxing connection, and there's a bit in the match that I thought, you know what, fair play for how this has come together, but we'll get to that. 
Uh, then we got Bronson Reed versus Elias. Obviously, oh, oh nearly it's too short a skip. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. The, the big story here is, of course, Rick Boogs. Uh, they're taking notes, or they didn't have to take many. Uh, Bronson Reed ran him over, rolling splash, uh, and then hit the tsunami off the top rope for the one, two, three. Now to this, really, Bronson Reed. If you're a fan, if Bronson Reed is for a very specific type of fan, isn't he? Like I like him enough, but. My biases are what they are, and I wish he was like a foot taller, maybe to be like. That's she was scary. It's not nothing yeah. to do with his proportions. He just doesn't have the pre- presence. He does not have that menacing presence of a Vader or the other wrestlers of that ilk to which he obviously aspires. Just he's one of those that he can do things in the match that can go, mm. but he doesn't come out where you're thinking, oh, "Jesus Christ, that person he's in the ring with is nagged." Um, it's hard to have that aura nowadays. You can go really exaggerated and be a Lance Archer and just revel in the fact that you're nasty and you're like almost like in an exaggerated comic booky way that the way that these really unique ways in which you kill people. He doesn't even Archer doesn't have that Vader nasty Christ presence, but um, I Bronson Reed just doesn't have that about him at all for me. You're right; it's like an intangible menace, isn't it? Yeah. Yokozuna can be a big, dangerous heel, but Mabel yeah, can't, yeah, even yeah. though they're both giant guys. Yes. Yeah. Um, then Kathy Kelly's went outside the trainer's room for the Trish stuff, and that's when Becky and Lita pushed past her, and Gable's there hanging out with flyers. Uh, and then she subsequently sits down with Kevin Owens, who says, look, you know, I'm, I needed Sammy's help against the bloodline, and now, obviously, Sammy's the one asking me for help. Given our history, I don't really want to fight alongside Sammy, but hey, good luck. Wish you all the best. And then he says, Cody, you know, I appreciate everything, but stay out of my business tonight. I like the way he worded this. Like, don't risk yourself for this. Concentrate on beating Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I love this. Kevin Owens wants to destroy the bloodline, and he really does believe Cody can help in that cause, but he's fighting with himself over Sammy, and I just I believe it, and I continue to buy it. Um, what really impressed me, there's this, there's this and another match. It's, it's Ray and Dom. Two of the longest stories being told on WWE, the, the opposite of how they've told stories for years. Like, Sidge has made this point before where you get the match graphic and then it's like six weeks of repeating the stakes because there's yes. nowhere to go now, you know. And there's an example of this with Asuka and Bianca Belair on this show, but there's always been a lot of that in WWE. In the Bloodline, versus uh, Usos versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Ray and Dom, it's like the match graphics are the final development. Yeah. They've told the story so well. It's that graphic drop, probably week off. We know they're happening, but they've like mm. it feels like they're going to be earned when they get there. And I thought this again, this promo was another another winner for the way in which they've delayed how much you want this. Like especially topped off by that main event. Mm. Uh, Austin Deary's walking backstage. Street Profits. This is earlier on in the day. Say you're a bloody joke artist, you. And he's like, well, yeah, keep you joking, but you're going to be sacked in two months. Basically, you're going to be unemployed. Uh, I hope not. Um, and he said, look, at the end of the day, I got what I wanted. Big marquee match against John Cena. Um, as for the two of you, interesting little tease here of like, who's the toughest sort of teasing potentially a, a Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, of course, uh, singles runs. Um, but who's the toughest out of the two of you? Who's got the backbone? Who's got the fire? Who's got the desire? I think it's you, Angelo Dawkins. It's certainly not you, Montez Ford. Uh, you're just a big bag of jerks. Um, when you get under an opportunity, you fall flat on your bloody face. Um <laughs> Don't know. I think it's the he's he's not from the auction. That's not what it is. I know he's British bulldog. Flat on his fucking ass. Uh, okay. That's yeah. where, I think that's where I've got that from. 
Um, I wish I could relate to that, but I go straight to the top every time. You talk all about that smoke. Oh, you're going to bring this smoke. You've got smoke coming out of you or something. All you do is choke. Uh, and he says, uh, Dawkins is like, um, I'm going to humble you. I'm going to cook you or something. And Theory's like, what are you doing at WrestleMania? Oh, wait, nothing. <laughs> Which is quite a good asshole huh? thing. Yeah. yeah. Sweet Prophet aren't cooking, really, are they? No. Um, I don't mind these teasers, but they just drop them and pick them back up again. I need more consistency of this. Whatever the hell's happening with the Street Profits, you can't do it for one week and then it's just... It's going to happen after WrestleMania, let it play out. Yeah. I'm not joking. No, 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 no yeah. Do it, just reminds me... Oh, sorry, you say something and I'll tell you. I'm just going to completely derail this in a second. Didn't hate the overlap. Theory mm. needed someone to beat, I guess. There's a bit too much of this. Guy who's going to work a big mm. match at WrestleMania wins a match. Like, it's... The correct dynamite formula. Yeah. <laughs> too much of it. Obvious winners, obvious losers. Yeah, too much of it. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell this story, but here we go. Um, there is someone who will not be named, who <laughs> we all know, who went to a wedding, and one of the guys who is kind of a bit of a knobhead said to him, "Oh, what did you think of the? Uh, what did you think of the meal?" Oh wait, you weren't invited! <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> they were like an evening guest. One of our, one of the people that we know was an evening guest, and the other guy was like, "Oh, you weren't invited to the meal, were you?" Yeah. So yeah, it's good to hit heel work, as you can see here from Austin Theory. That's terrific. Uh, anyway, afterwards we got Austin Theory versus Angelo Dawkins. Skiff. Yep. Yeah. Skiff. Fair enough. You won with the eight hand. Possible down, match with no heat. Come over, John Cena. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> enough of all that. Now time for this. It's short, it's crap, it's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it! Otis. <laughs> this week's five star review review uh, is brought to you by Andrew from Brooklyn. Um, if you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related for us to review, uh, you can either leave us a five star review like Andrew has done on Apple Podcasts, or leave us a five-star review on Spotify. Screenshot it. Need the proof. And then email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. Uh, Drew, as he calls himself in the review, writes, Hello, gents. I first Could be his name. Yeah, I, I, I'm confused because he put Andrew at the top, and then he put Drew at the end. So. Well, he obviously prefers to be called Drew, but, but for professional reasons, he want to be Andrew. Maybe like the Nard Dog, he went to anger management training, and now he goes by Drew. <laughs> yeah, he used to be Andrew. Uh, anyway, he writes, Hello, gents. I first found What Culture about two years ago by watching Simon's ups and downs video so I wouldn't have to suffer, suffer through Raw or SmackDown. Correct. Uh, it was more often <laughs> than not a massive waste of time. I found your absolute gem of a podcast a little over two months ago. Uh, it's only grown on me over the weeks. Uh, I didn't know how to feel about Sidgwick's harsh analysis, which 98% of the time I knew deep down he was right about. <laughs> but I realized the more podcasts I listened to that it was a necessary aspect of the show, especially to balance out Wilborn, who has massive amounts of positivity, usually too much like myself. Uh, Hamlet is probably who we should all strive to be with his wrestling no. takes. Yeah. Since it always feels like he's level No! Well, yeah. he makes it, he does make a good point here. Um, he's already made one. It always so. feels like he's level-headed, which makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I really God. do love when... Uh, so this is what I mean. This is the Baron Corbin maze. Yeah, yeah, I really do love uh, when him and Will Warren go off the rails excited about something. For my five-star review review, I have a horrifying curiosity to hear the comments on this segment where Lashley stole Rusev's wife and showed up on the big screen from a hotel bed to taunt him about it. P.S. I only chose this because I pop anytime you guys read the thirsty comments and try to keep your composure. Have a great one, guys. Thank you, Drew. Cheers, Drew. Yeah, thank you, Drew. 
Um, to the earlier point about how WWE just basically create a match and then repeat the same story beat every single week, that was pretty much it the day that Bobby Lashley necked on with Lana on a stage. But as Drew was only been listening two months ago, and our archives, come on, Acast, are not necessarily going mm. right back to the beginning. If you listen to our podcast at the time, we'll tell you then what I'll tell you now. This was because WWE were getting YouTube numbers out the ass for it. There was mm-hmm. a period where Bobby Lashley and Lana, this segment or a version of this segment happened every week, like two million next day on YouTube. By far and away, the hottest thing on the show in terms of like the way people were watching in those chunks online to the point where they thought, well, don't back down, double down, and we'll have a wedding. And it and killed you it. You think that it would impact the far more lucrative stream of TV ratings? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And it just, it, like, the wedding didn't pop off, did it? No. And it kind of did all right. And it was a mess as well, wasn't it? it? Was half an hour long or something like that. Oof. And it kind of killed it all. But this was definitely in the period where they were checking their, like Eric Bischoff checking the ratings on a Tuesday morning. Yeah. That was WWE looking at these YouTube ones for Lana and Bobby Lashley. So, yeah, I think the match was going to be Rusev and Randy Orton, maybe. And mm. this was the time when Randy Orton was just mates with with King Corbin. And there was that great image. I don't think it's from what? this one. <laughs> I don't think it's from this. When? It's from this I, pr- I covered this professionally. Yeah. <laughs> and I still can't remember. Like four years ago, because WWE is so chaotic. In my head, what united them was taking the piss out of Rusev, because this wasn't the first time. Ah, that rings a bell. Because there's that photo. It was very contrived. There's that great photo of, I think it's like Rusev's in the ring, and that's when, like, Lashley comes out and just necks on with Lana, basically. And they're just on the stage, stood next to each other, like, going, (laughs) and just, like, giggling together. And then, obviously, presumably this week, Rusev was like, I'm going to kick your ass for laughing at me. Yeah. So Orton, Orton had nought to do because him and like FTRKO, good, it pass it on. Uh, had finished feuding with the New Day because of Kofi and Randy's yeah. ill over of the. Oh god! Yeah, yeah. All that. Um, so yeah, Rusev's in the ring when Lashley appears on the big Tron and he's in a robe and he says, "Rusev, doesn't look like you're having a good time at all, man. You don't uh, look even nearly as comfortable as I do. I mean, look at me, the robe. It looks familiar, doesn't it?" Just right in Jesus Christ. It's your robe, Rusev. <laughs> you do notice one thing. that If I'm wearing your robe, then I'm probably at your house. And if I'm at your house, then I'm probably in your room. And if I'm in your room and I'm like, where's this Shagging your wife. <laughs> Shagging at your wife. I'm a bit confused here, so you might be able to yeah, explain yeah. something in a minute. If I'm in your room, this has got to be your bed. And he like, ah, gets in, takes the robe off. He's like, ah. Very nice. <laughs> and he goes, so this is your bed, Rusev. What exactly are we missing here? Hmm. Let me think about this. I'm just verbatim reading this, by the way. Let me think about this. Something you're missing a lot. And in comes Lana, and she's wearing, like, this kimono, and she slips it off and slides in next to him, and you get, like, the... The sexy music starts playing. And she says, Rusev... Everything we own is now in my name. Oh, oh and by the way, we don't have joint checking accounts anymore. <laughs> it is all mine. What a necessary detail. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the administration. <laughs> and uh, Bobby says, you see, Rusev, you should have been spending your money on Lana instead of sending your money back home to your family in Bulgaria. All right, this is the bit I need your help with, Sige. <laughs> Lana says, oh, Rusev, it looks like you are not having fun. But I, ha- I am. <laughs> and Bobby says, no, we are. What's going on? What's happening right. is that they're 
in bed, mm-hmm. and they are about to like f- each other's brains out. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't. Oh. Maybe they. Maybe they're not going like absolute hammer and tongs. Or f- brutal, and you just need to press, and you're just like in that devouring state. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't f- like that. Maybe the like slow, <laughs> sensual, like just building and building and building, and the payoff. You know, maybe they're not just f- tearing each other's clothes. <laughs> it's like pressing against. It's good stuff. Um, <laughs> but they're about to have sexual intercourse, right. no matter, uh, no matter, you know, the position. Mm-hmm. No matter just like the approach, no matter like you know just how rough or soft and sensual it is, <laughs> they are about. Bobby Lashley is about to put his cock in Lana's like either mouth, ass, or pussy. That's what's going to happen. Uh, right, so. There's a bit here I got really confused and I called you over because I, I was because there's no there's been nothing here from I can't remember what the commentary team was at this point. <laughs> Jerry Lawler, uh, Dio Madden and Vic Joseph. Right. Christ. <laughs> I know, man. It was a it was a weird time. Yeah. But so Lana is removing her bra whilst Bobby pulls some phrases like ooh in the background. <laughs> He's loving them. And at this point, right. Loving that back, loving them tits. So there's no commentary. Nothing's been said at all. Anything that you couldn't previously see, he's loving. <laughs> yeah. Smile on his face shows it. <laughs> Someone, and I said this to you guys, it sounds like it comes from behind the camera yeah. who's, who's in this hotel, in their, their house filming this. Someone just goes, oh my God, guys. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's someone in the comment section about a busted nut. <laughs> like, but we'll get to that imminently. Least surprising twist ever. It was Jerry Lawler. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it is surprising because Lana's in her mid to late 20s. <laughs> So <laughs> stupid old bastard probably trying to put his hands on the screen. Oh. So they they giggle together and then they turn the lights out. It's the least. It's just like I oh, just faded black. Well, there we go. Uh, and it cuts back and I forgot about the mustache as well. Even oh, though you no. see it at the beginning when it cuts back and he's like, oh, and my mustache. <laughs> he's devastated. And King says, that made me the most uncomfortable thing I've ever seen. <laughs> And think of the ground that covers. I don't want to think oh, about the thanks. ground. I do not want to think about that uh, and at I've all. Written here, Randy Orton and King Corbin are yucking it up. <laughs> so Rusev just goes bonkers, beats him up around ringside, chucks him into stairs, chucks him into the barricade, posts Orton. Ah, match kick. You're laughing at me. Match kicks Corbin. Match kicks Orton into the crowd. And there you have it. Orton's like a 14 time or whatever world champion. And he was right, okay. I understand that we can just tell people that you're great again in about two months, but can we just have the guys getting cheated on to kick your ass because we'll just need tits on this TV program again <laughs> because the ratings aren't very good. You know, I've been in the office where uh, Michael Scott kind of just marginalizes and almost like dehumanizes Pam, just describing her physical appearance and how she should look and how she should wear her hair. And then like says, yeah, no, but seriously, she's a gifted employee and absolutely fantastic receptionist. We've lost without her, but I would never say that to her face. That's like watching the booking of Rusev. Like, no, he's absolutely fantastic as an ass kicker. Like, watch him batter this guy. Why would not just let him do that? Yeah. I know, we've absolutely got to do his wife getting pumped by Bobby Lashley first on a big screen and he has to cry tears through his <laughs> tash. And then we'll let him, like, batter the two heels. Yeah. Just, just let him do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's like... Uh, even AEW. Like, he goes, 
He's playing a lot of video games here. Can he not just do that? <laughs> so uh, we go to the comment section. Yeah. Once again, these do not reflect the views myself. Oh, Dad always anyone oh watch wrestling. Um, it starts off all right. There's a few sort of people who are they look very naive, whatever it is, three years, like three years later, four years later, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Scott. Now this is PG-13. <laughs> Here we go. Here you are. Yeah, by the way, uh, you actually, you can watch anything. Yeah. I just remembered. It's time to play the game. Time to play time the to play game. game. Did it, did it, did it, did it. Guess the horny comment. And double. D- I haven't got time. Uh, <laughs> this isn't going to be as high as you anticipate, but how many views has this got on YouTube, by the way? 40 million. No. A lot less. Ah, the, give, him, give him a clue to win the quiz. 10 million. Closer. <laughs> 4.4 million views. Uh, but yes. Can you guess? You're talking Rubbish then, aren't you? Well, what do you want to take a punt at with these comments? Okay, I think... Dun, dun, ready game. Uh, duh, 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 guess how many comment? Mm, I wish it was Lashley's cock. <laughs> there isn't one. I was looking for them. I was just thinking I wish I was the rope. Yeah, no, there's not so featured that there, you know. There's no I wish I was in this, I don't think. There is... Well... Uh, one of, the, one of the ones I genuinely appreciated was from Shader John, who just writes, Aiden English was right, which is a nice bit of LTST there, despite uh, the fact that no. it wasn't that case no. at all. If, if you're a WWE character and you're referring to a WWE female who's not known for their in-ring prowess, well, you will get proven right through the horrible mechanisms yes. of the creative <laughs> eventually. Yeah, I'm not right now, but I will be in... Mm. (laughs) Um, I've just picked this one out and this isn't to call out this person specifically it was just emblematic of quite a lot of people Uh, Crystal Roddy well if this leads to a huge Rusev push I'm going to be okay with it did it? no of course it didn't Uh, then we start getting into it now we're into the here we go Mo. In my opinion, Lana is the hottest woman walking the earth. Okay. Okay. Exactly what I'd expect from a gentleman like Mo. Yeah. He's done all right. It was nice to chat about him the other week, wasn't it? (laughs) Burned potatoes. Right. More like bony Lashley. More <laughs> well, like Nobby Lashley would work better. <laughs> Could have called him the ball mighty. Yeah, yeah. Nobby Lashley, the ball mighty. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Uh, Master Blaster, is that right, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> 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 Ryan Hamrick writes, Oh, a night with you would be like winning the lottery. Oh. <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. Is this all right from Andre Shame? Oh, someone deserves a spanking. Oh, it's just Blaster Lashley. Blaster Lashley, yeah. I'm sure he did. (laughs) (laughs) Jack. I'm not going to give Jack's surname here. Why would I have your real name? Hey, Lana. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just check the comments, Bobby, see what they're saying. Hey, Lana. I love your feet. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. 
Yeah, not kink shaming. Can Sh- you show me the soles without the socks, please? That's fine. <laughs> not really. Not shaming, but going in YouTube. Yeah, yeah, that's, to do it yeah. is weird. How's this one for you? Probably bad. <laughs> <laughs> Alan writes. <laughs> It's the little bit of the ending. Oh, I'd love to have that ass sitting on my face for at least a good hour. (laughs) (laughs) It's like like 51 minutes now. I'm getting a little bit bored. Um, It's getting a bit uncomfortable, this. No, I said at least one hour. Uh, oh, it's 51 minutes. You got the point. No? Get the gist right. That ass always like. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then the final comment you heard me react to in the office. Yeah, earlier. no, I got very scared. Yeah. I got I got, this, I got the mon- Tuesday scaries <laughs> <laughs> about what it actually is. So this is not referring to you, myself, the Daddy Boys, anyone at what culture. I'm wrestling. assuming this is going to get edited out. So quickly find another comment because you usually build up the last comment. Obi writes, it's not like. It's just, it's a, a bit overkill. Uh, he writes, you are a... <laughs> you are a ton of sexy honey running over a glass of pure heaven's wine. Your sight smells awesome. I can't wait to lick you up till no drop did left, my hot, juicy vanilla ice cream. Oh, no! Hey, he wasn't as bad as you thought. No, it was it's just, pretty bad. I mean, oh. I feel disgusted to my core. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the fedora it's, cap it's guy. It's common to feel like they're on you, don't they? Like, yeah, enough. yeah. Enough. You're a ton of sexy honey. It's not going to be enough. You're a ton of sexy honey running over a glass of pure heaven's wine. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like, wouldn't you just crush the glass in that case? <laughs> wouldn't it just be like, you wouldn't even taste the wine? So even if it comes from... What a waste of pure heaven's wine. You would assume it's really good wine. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, you come in the pub, mate. No, sorry, mate. I've got to lick up every drop till there's no (laughs) drop drop left of uh, hot, juicy vanilla ice cream. So I probably won't make it out tonight, lads. So thanks, Drew. Thanks for the suggestion there. Thanks, Drew. Hope you you got what you were hoping for here. How long's left? I can't remember. (laughs) If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related, though, that's... Five, five star review as part of the raw review. You can leave, do so on Apple Podcasts or you can leave us a five star review on Spotify. Screenshot it. Need the proof. And then email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. We return to Raw where Kathy Gellies with Paul Heyman, who, uh, well, gets cut off, Kathy does. Uh, and he says, We've got a problem. And that problem's name's Kevin Owens. But tonight we demonstrate we solve all problems. And tonight's problem is going to be solved by. Uh, and as for Cody, he thinks the truth's going to set him free. It's only going to imprison his mind to make stupid mistakes like making this personal. Um, of course, it's already personal to Rhodes. That's what makes Rhodes such a compelling and intriguing character. But to make this personal to Roman Reigns by mockingly acknowledging him on TV, what a schmuck. Cody Rhodes, you're going to have a chance to acknowledge him next week on Raw because Roman Reigns is going to be here and you can decide whether you're a challenger or a problem because I assure you, Cody, uh, you are a problem that Roman Reigns would love to personally solve. Tremendous. Looking forward to that for next week's preview. Yeah, I didn't think much of this promo from Heyman, to be honest. It was more like an uh, advert. Marginally better than a graphic, but only marginally. <laughs> Would you uh, rather have had a graphic? I'd rather have had a graphic. Roman's, <laughs> Roman's here. Uh, Rey Mysterio comes out, of course, going into the Hall of Fame this year. 
Uh, and he does get to speak this time, briefly. He says, uh, this is the biggest honour of my life. This isn't just my award. It's for all of us, everyone who helped me um, build up my career. I uh, made it from the fans. Uh, thank you, guys. This is an award for all of us, like I said. Uh, and then, of course, here comes Dominic Mysterio to interrupt. And he says, well done, Dad. Uh, you finally made it into the Hall of Fame. You deserve it, too, because you put your whole life into this business. I hope it was worth it, because you did it at the expense of me, Dad. You chose all of these fans, each and every one of them, uh, instead of being there for me. How does that feel, huh? My eighth grade promotion, you were nowhere to be found. You were too busy at bloody WrestleMania. Uh, and he says, and then when I turned 16, you said you'd get me a new car. All my friends had new cars, all had new Mercedes. And you bought me a BMW. It wasn't even an M-Series, you prick. <laughs> You're a sad, ugly excuse for a father. <laughs> yeah, you're a sad, ugly excuse for a man. I want a match with you at WrestleMania. And Ray's like, how many times I keep saying this to you, Dom? I'm not going to fight my own son. I love you. I always will. No match. Dom's like, huh, this is your guy? And he's walking out This is at this point, Ray. You're going to walk away. Do what you do, Ray. You run away. You run away from Raw. You run away from family. You run away from me. The only thing you taught me, Ray, is what not to be. I thought this was great from Dom. Ray's acting was good. Yeah. You're not meant to be able to be as understated and naturalistic almost as this. I was shocked. Mm. This storyline is great. What is it going <laughs> to take? Yeah, that's the, that's what exactly it's, what I was storytelling. I think he's going to, like, batter Conan. <laughs> like, Conan, they're bringing him in finally. He's going to get Ray's over the moon. I can't believe he gets him to me. And then, like, you see, you know, like when um, Kane pushed... Zack Ryder on the <laughs> stage or something. Like, yeah, listen to your podcast. Ray! <laughs> and that off he goes, something like that. Just something really unnecessarily cruel that Ray has no choice. Uh, aye, this week. Don was so, getting the watch chance and he did well here. Well, I think, again, I said this on the SmackDown review, but like, I still worry for the dominant character post Ray Mysterio. Maybe less so because it doesn't play an overact, but this character still kind of relies on... The beating heart of this character is this match. So post WrestleMania, this it could be the best he'll, he'll ever do in this business. Yeah. And, but like, his performance... It's more than, you know... Uh, Eric Watts ever did. Yeah, but his performance level has like improved tremendously from when it was more of a punchline. David San Martino. Yeah, like <laughs> we've gone through irony, and this stuff's just pretty good. Mm. Um, the details specifically, the M series was a nice gag, but I actually thought the WrestleMania one was better because of all like it's fair, wrestlers miss birthday parties and family occasions, and sometimes it's like if, if Dominic had said uh, you went to some like backwater town wherever, yeah. that doesn't hit as hard. Yeah. Like, Dad should work WrestleMania. That's how you get the life you get. Of yeah. all the shows that you can miss, mm. it's that one. Like it's WrestleMania, and I love that he targeted that specifically. Uh, then we got... Se- relevant as well. Yeah. There's buddy coming up, isn't it? It is. You know, I never even put those two things together. Uh, then it was time for Baron Corbin versus Seth Rollins. Transcribing other promos on YouTube. Yeah, well, yeah. what came next was more important, to be honest, than, than changing that round. Uh, because in the match, uh, Corbin jumps Rollins. Rollins makes a comeback, sends Corbin to the floor and chucks him into Miz, basically. Uh, Miz tries to get him for revenge. Rollins drops him and basically uses Miz as a springboard to uh, stomp Corbin for the win. I like that finish. It's funny. I thought he was going to do both at one point, like stepping stones. <laughs> so like, that would physically. Um, but yeah, something like you say a bit earlier. Oh, you've got a win, and you're going to WrestleMania. Well done. This is a bit, there was a bit of happenstance here that I was just kind of marveling at, where on commentary they pick 
the moment where the crowd are going, uh, and Miz says, I hate that noise or that song or that sound more than anything. But in just mid-meltdown, that's when Rollins pushes Corbin onto him. Mm. And it's a nice bit of happenstance how it worked like that because you rely upon the crowd and then these things coming together. But not so much happenstance as Seth Rollins' weird act is <laughs> connected with yeah. the fans that have allowed these things to happen. Um, and then came the highlight of Monday Night Raw, in my opinion. Uh, Chad Gable's walking about backstage trying to find... Uh, Otis and he asked Mustafa Ali he's got this new positivity gimmick hashtag be positive never mind all that because all you hear is this yes wow look at that mess vascularity uh, and you see not Otis but Sige Otis doing a photo shoot with maximum male models you've got uh, Mansoir doing the camera work <laughs> again Marseille just just stood, uh, and Maxine's, you know, directing traffic, if that's the right phrase to use. Uh, and uh, Gay was like, hey, 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 what are you doing without this? Wait a second, didn't you guys have a scheduled match? I was like, thank you, Chad. But then Mansoir thankfully clarified for us. He said, actually, Chad, you little goblin. I broke my nail scrolling through Instagram today, which means we're not cosmetically clear to compete. <laughs> Uh, that match is postponed till next week. Oh, thank God we can preview it again uh, on the Raw preview. Um, and Marseille says, tonight isn't about matches, Gollum. It's about match ink. And we're working on Otis's headshots. Uh, and Gable's like, hey, hey, hey. It's not all about, you know, playing and banging, lifting weights. We can do some modeling if you want, Otis. Let's do some poses together. And they do pose. Like, Otis is still happy to be there with Chad. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, the, get, the master, get Master Gable in. And then Mansoir goes, oh, you broke my camera. <laughs> Marseille says, you probably broke it with your ick. Your Sandoval-esque ick. And I was like, a bit like, huh? I actually know what the ick is. Did you? I know what the ick is. I didn't know what the what a Sandoval. My, my wife told me I have it. Do <laughs> 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 you know Inherently, <laughs> but um, I first became aware of this phrase, the ick. Mm. It's like a secretive word among women. Because uh, I was uh, bowling, right? Yeah. So my wife told me I have it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just oh, well. That's not very good, but we'll work on that. But it was like, not like just in general, yeah. but like apparently something that like a man does. Was like, oh, God, that's yeah. the ick. The ah. ick. And uh, I was bowling. It's for the family. Took them out. And she drives. So she <laughs> took she took us out to the South Shields bowling. And it's really fun. The dunes. The dunes. Well, a couple of uh, brewskis. Do some bowling. Maybe a few arcade games. Go home. Right? It's a nice time. Love it in there. Love that building. It's got it all. I love the dunes. Got it all. Soft play. Got the dunes. It's great. It's got it all. Good we'll family. Take we'll take you. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, good. Right, okay. So, I, Michael Sidgwick, go bowling. Handful though, what happens next? Uh, a gutter ball? No. Strike. I hit a strike. Yes. Okay, right, right, okay. So, I hit a strike, okay. Like, fifth or sixth frame. And, you know, I just go. Two! <laughs> <laughs> 
Because it's the celebration yeah. that the kids know, and you kind of have to do it if you want to like the yeah. football thing. I went, because I love, I love the buzz of getting a strike. It's we have like, uh, what is it, uh, pandemic notwithstanding, like what, five, six years of Christmas parties where we yeah. just mock each other with wrestler poses. Yes. It's exactly as nerdy as it sounds yeah. when we get strikes. Yes. You turn around, you do Kenny or Punk or something. <laughs> yeah. I went, Zoo! <laughs> Mrs. just looked at like, give us the ick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, love, I love it when you do it. Hero to zero with it being a strike as well. Yeah, yeah. He, he couldn't have been higher. I got uh, uh, away. I get a feeling my wife thinks I give her the ick when I do my corrupted voice <laughs> in the car. Ah, uh, yeah, that's the ick. Yeah. yeah. See you later now. She's married. Um, <laughs> Marseille, yes, says, you probably broke it with your ick, but when he said Sandoval-esque ick, I was like, I have no idea what you're talking no. about. Here. But thankfully, Maxine says, uh, clearly you don't watch Vanderpump rules. Tom Sandoval is a disgusting scab on the pedicured feet of his bambi-eyed mistress, and you are grosser than that. And she beckons Otis away whilst Chad's like, no, nah, actually, we got, I know it's a bit late, but we've still got a bit of time. You can squeeze a workout in. And then you hear her go, Otis. And he's like, sorry, coach. And he leaves and Chad looks devoured. Since so you've been making a case for, it, it isn't getting discussed enough that Hangman Page might be one of the best wrestlers ever. Correct. Yeah. I don't think it gets discussed enough that maybe Chad Gable was one of the best sports entertainers ever. Because think about what that character's been for like the last year and a yeah. half. Like, shoosh, shoosh, please. And thank you. And like, he just pivots ever slightly and he's this really sympathetic guy walking backstage with flyers. Like, where's my friend? His Alpha yeah. Academy jacket on. His Alpha Academy, like, he's played this guy where he can basically make an awesome tag team with any wrestler you give him. That's his law at this point. He's fantastic. The sympathy I'll have if like Otis turns on him properly or the euphoria I'll feel if Otis stays with him and this just becomes a, well, one TV match for like a six to eight yeah, week yeah. build. All great. Chad gets all of this over them. Maximum Mervolos is such a great act. I'm glad there's something. They are. They've got the best gag in there too early. Yeah. So it kind of went off a bit. Gosh. It was still fun. Triple H never would have sanctioned his stuff on NXT, would he? No. He's banned game for it on the main roster, but he'd never let this fly in NXT. Yeah, it's too bloody dry. Skulls. Yeah. Uh, Then it was time for Bianca Belair versus Chelsea Green. Skip. Yeah, I I would if I could. Um, Belair takes most of this, understandably. Um, hits the picture-perfect standing moonsault. Carmella's there at ringside, of course, with Chelsea Green. She cheap shots, so when the referee's distracted to allow Green to take over, to take us to a break. When we come back, Belair makes her come back. Uh, close lines, drop kick, stalling vertical suplex. Um, Bianca goes to that backflip off the ropes thing that she does and knocks Carmella off the apron. That allows Green to catch her with an inside cradle for a two count, but Belair just rebounds and gets straight back up. KOD, one, two, three, post-match, as we said on the preview. What a surprise. Carmella and Chelsea Green attack Bianca Belair, but who should come down to make the save with the person? Bianca Belair is going to be in the WrestleMania. Asuka, um, who uh, high-kicks Carmella, backfists Green, Clear the ring, and oh, there's the belt. And Asuka picks it up and then goes, there you go. (laughs) Take it from me. I've got it. Dances around. Oh, that's the ick. Uh, And then coughs up some blue goo. (laughs) Doesn't spit it on her. Not like it's not missed being misted, but it's missed. It's like the the threat of the mist. It's mind games, isn't it? It's rubbish is what it is. It's an absolute disgrace. Is there... A directive to the women's division to work in slow motion. What's going on? Shotzi, this match, 
like several other almost countless examples on TV for the past six months. I've seen Chelsea Green work. She's nowhere near as bad as this. No. I, do they all get overawed by the big stage? I can't see that happening. I, I think they must get told. I work a match in slow motion. Don't tell me why this happens. But this must be the case. Shotzi on NXT, fair enough, some of the matches were like really chaotic and at times dangerous, but some of them were quite thrilling. Mm. She's a statue. She's a glorified statue in Chelsea Green. And Emma is kind of a statue. Now, I don't understand what they are telling this women's division when they agent their matches. It's the weirdest thing imaginable. Is there like a strand of sexism slash misogyny here? Of, God, don't go too hard, girls. The old and, Michelle McCool yeah. getting bollocked for working like a man. Aye, because yeah. God damn it, these matches are suspiciously slow <laughs> at this point. And this post-match angle... Oh my, oh my God, I can't believe how the vicarious, like, cringe I experienced watching this. She cannot be unhinged or scary. There's nothing worse. It's worse than someone trying to be funny for me, someone trying to play unhinged. I get that cringe. You know when a joke doesn't land in your own company and you just desperately... You can't, it's more patronizing to go, ah, than it is to just go, oh, God, and just be silent. That feeling is worse for me when a WWE wrestler, specifically a WWE wrestler, tries to be unhinged or, like, spooky. Oh, God, I hate it so much. Felt like it went on for ages. Ask oh, a dancer around the ring. Like, it just felt like I want. I didn't know if I wanted the world to open up and swallow me or the ring to open up and swallow them, but I needed it to end. It was the ick. It was... Yeah, it was as bad as it was the last time, but made worse because at least when Asuka dribbled the gear the last time, it was a split second thing. We were kind of made to live in it here and it got no better. On the point about the matches, I think they're reaping what they sow because the crowds aren't interested. It doesn't feel like there's a great deal of motivation across either division, either show, either belt, whatever. The best spot in this entire match was Bianca Belair knocking Carmella off the apron. It looks so fake. Well, no, well, see, I thought the opposite. I thought without touching her, because she's just got the power off that springboard that the ropes move and knock Carmella off. And I thought that was the only good bit because I just took it as she wasn't trying to hit her. She was just like, I'm such an athlete in here. I've got it all and I can use this moment to do it rather than having to get in the way and push you down. And I was just reminded that that's what they're doing with the athlete is this, is dribbling goo and fear eyes and then the tag match that got booked for next week. That we, God. we saw coming as soon as the Rumble had finished. That like, Awful. Or as soon as Elimination Chamber, sorry, finished. Lazy bollocks. Uh, right, main event time. Street fight between Kevin Owens and Solo Sokoa. Uh, of course, they just start out immediately brawling. Um, Sokoa sends Owens into the announce table. Owens sends Sokoa into the steps. Brawl continues, takes to a break. When we come back, Owens has set up six chairs with the seats all nicely lined up uh, in the ring. Um, but in the end, it's Sokoa who chucks Owens off the top rope through the chairs. Always looks like it sucks that, even though it's, you know, kind of a flat bit. At least it's not as bad as when they have to do the, oh, the, what they call the top bit of the chair. The upright. Yeah. Um, still looks like it sucks, though. Um, but clearly Owens was all right because he immediately hit a cannonball against the barricade <laughs> afterwards. Um, but, they, yeah, keeps fighting. Fight through the crowd. Fight eventually Back round, go into the backstage area, into Gorilla, and who's there, of course? The Usos, double sick, super kick to Kevin Owens. I did like the visual of them dragging him mm. the entire way 
back up the ramp, back into the ring. Samoan spike from Solo Sokoa. One, two, three. He wins the street fight. The story, of course, is, Kevin, you can't fight this on your own as much as you like. Thanks, but no thanks. He's left laying in the ring, and the bloodline celebrate on the ramp to close the show. But much better story than match for me here. Like As a brawl, it was pretty hollow, I thought. Like, it was... Oh, Raw's finished, but they've left the cameras on for the thing they're going to send the fans home happy with. That's I have noted this, to be honest. That's why you get the big stunts, like to make the fans make noise before they leave and the ones that haven't decided to beat the traffic. But I really, I'm the same as you, uh, like that visual stuck with me. So this match gave me something. I really quite like the gorilla attack and the way to like have him, the excuse to drag him ceremonially right down the aisle was because they've just hit him there by the doorway to it. If you'd have done that anywhere else in the building, it would have looked too fake having to bring him there. But I quite <laughs> like how they kind of staged and arranged it. And it's going to be, I think, quite a powerful visual for presumably Cody, but maybe Sammy as well, to call on. Like, they are dragging your depleted carcass to the <laughs> ring without us. Like, there's three of them. There's two of them at any given time. There's three of them here. Like, you need us. You've got to, like, not be so stubborn about this. And, I, like, it's a good quality of a Kevin Owens character to have to keep him loyal to his... His old heel gimmick as well, I think. As Drew points out, I'm here to uh, pop the balloon. Has Kevin Owens specifically told Cody not to be in my business? He said it in the promo earlier. As of tonight, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing I didn't particularly like, right, was it was Kevin Owens who led Sokoa up the ramp. Yeah. And then the ambush from the Usos. So am I to believe that maybe the Usos just hang around there when the, the when the boy's in trouble, ready to pounce, as they so often mm. do. But I like the idea, I prefer the idea because it makes far more sense of them sort of watching on a monitor because these shows are filmed. And then the sec, the merest hint of, oh, right, right, run, ambush, let's get through like, you know, gorilla. I want to stand there <laughs> and chat with Road Dog. What are you doing? Oh, well, I'm scheduled to go out. Because it's in the script. It just felt a bit fake, that to me. They probably want to FaceTime with Vince McMahon. I think they thought of the shot, which was quite cool, of the POV, you're the Usos, and then you're going to kick Kevin Owens in the face. They thought of that cool shot first, and mm. the story second, because it's superficial, bad storytelling. <laughs> Well, on that note, we will wrap this up. Let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch that. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidrick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCultureWrestling wherever you get your podcasts M. Sidgwick. <laughs> Daily Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> Myself and the Daddy Boys will be back to preview the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! A little bit later on today. Um, and make sure if you haven't done so already, just like Drew from Brooklyn did, uh, you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Just make sure you screenshot it. Need the proof. Then email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. For now, though, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.